Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. I wanted to take a moment to tell you guys about my favorite baby food brand. So I actually don't buy a lot of baby food and I don't use it a lot, but I do like to have some baby food, some pouches on hand just for those moments where I feel like I need something convenient or I need to just throw something in my diaper bag and go. So my favorite baby food brand and really the only one we use now is Serenity Kids. The reason that I love Serenity Kids so much is because they focus on nutrient-dense foods such as pasture-raised and grass-fed meat and organic vegetables. So I know that the quality is amazing and I feel safe and confident feeding it to my baby. You can go to myserenitykids.com and use the code TaylorKulik15 at checkout to save 15% off your order. Hi, everyone. Welcome. I am so excited today. I have another parent here with me to share their sleep journey. So um, when I started this podcast, One of the things I really wanted to do was to bring the journeys to you guys of these parents that are parenting against the grain, um, the parents who are choosing not to sleep train, because those are the stories that we really don't hear about enough, in my opinion. And I think that we all need to hear those stories of encouragement um, and validation. And so I have Rachel here with me today, and Rachel is going to share her journey with us. So welcome, Rachel. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Good morning. I'm really happy to be here. I just, um, Taylor wanted to share that I have been following your page since I've become a mom and it's been hugely beneficial to my mental health as I have gone through this journey of what to expect with a newborn and normal baby sleep. Thank you so much. That means so much to me to hear that. Yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of pressure on new moms postpartum to do everything right. Mm -hmm. And at least for me, that's how it went. And I just felt this huge relief scrolling through your page that there are other people out there going through what I was going through and felt the way I felt about babies and sleep and motherhood. Yes. It's so, it's so important to have that community and connect with like-minded, like-minded parents, especially in a world where, you know, so many of us feel like we don't have anybody in our corner who thinks like us or parents like us. It's so true because when I, when I look at real life, like the friends in my immediate circle, I'm pretty different in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So that's been a huge to have that community online. So, um, I guess the important thing to know about me before I share my journey, so you kind of understand my background is that, uh, I am a neonatal ICU nurse. I am going on six years of doing that and recently became a mom to my first son. Um, And I entered motherhood with this definition of safe sleep that included always in a crib, always on their back and nothing with them, you know? 
So when I had my son and he just wanted to sleep in my arms, that was incredibly difficult for me to understand why he wasn't following the rules. Um, I had a pediatrician in the beginning who really pressured me to, from the very first days of his life, put him down to sleep. And I remember just hearing her say that in our first appointment thinking, that's insane. I am so in love with this child. I do not want to set him down for even a second. Mm -hmm. So I had to find somebody new that was not going to pressure me. She'd, she'd brought up sleep training at that appointment as well. And I, I couldn't even go there mentally. It seemed so strange to me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, tried to get my baby to sleep swaddled in the, um, what's that bassinet that swings over your bed? The anyway. halo? The halo. Yes. Mm-hmm. Had it all prepared, had his crib already. And they were just the most useless investments for me because every time I'd get him in a sound sleep and lay him down, sure enough, within the next 10 minutes, he'd be awake again. Mm-hmm. And my husband is the most supporting, wonderful person, but he doesn't know much about babies. That is not his area of expertise. And so I remember just a few days postpartum crying to him, why won't our baby sleep anywhere but in my arms? I'm going to kill him. I'm sure I'm going to smother him if I let him sleep in our bed. And the fear that that caused in my heart was so intense, especially with postpartum hormones going on. Mm-hmm. And it, oh, that anxiety for me was always worse at night when the sun went down. It was just magnified immensely. Anyway, around that time, I found your Instagram page and felt a huge, huge relief and a community of people that said, hey, there's another way to do this. And that's also when I started doing a little more research. Um, I'm also a lactation consultant. I just recently certified as an IBCLC. So as I was doing that coursework, I learned a lot about how interconnected breastfeeding and sleeping truly are and that that's okay. That's the biological norm. I don't have to be sorry about that, that that works well for us. When I joined a La Leche League group in my home and my hometown, I found a lot of community and support in that way as well, which was wonderful. That's amazing. Yeah. I found all these other moms who also co-sleep and followed the safe sleep seven. And, um, yeah, felt really good about that. Once I thought it out carefully and planned to co-sleep. And to this day, my son is 18 months old. He co-sleeps with us. My husband has grown to love it. At first it was, you know, against the grain for him. And he, he was afraid that we were going to harm him as well. But once I showed him all this research and all this evidence that, no, this is really normal. He got on board and now, I mean, is there anything than waking up to your baby's face every morning? It's the best. It's just pure joy. Yes. Yes. And he, you know, to be honest, a lot of it was my own selfish. I need sleep reasonings too. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's the thing, Rachel, you know, there's this misconception that if you don't sleep train, you can't get sleep, right? The only way that you can get sleep is if you sleep train. And I, I think a lot of times parents do choose to bed share and it sometimes might not feel like a choice. I've talked about that before, but it is so that we can get more sleep. It's not necessarily true that, and I would say it's not true at all that you have to sleep train your baby in order for anybody to get sleep. 
babies can get great sleep in the bed next to us. And so can parents. It's the best sleep I've ever had, to be honest, since as a mom, you know, um, I wake up more in the middle of the night, of course, than I did before I had children, but I can go right back to sleep, roll over, boob in the mouth, back to sleep. Everybody's fine. Exactly. Yeah. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm so interested um, in a little bit more, knowing a little bit more if you're willing to to answer some questions. I just, I love, I love hearing parents sleep journeys when they don't sleep train. Cause I just think it's empowering. How old was your son when you found my Instagram page? You said that was kind of the turning point for you. Oh yeah. I'm, I want to say three days postpartum. Oh, wow. I was, quite, I was just, I was going so desperate for community and a solution to what mm-hmm. I was going through at that point. Because like I said, I am a NICU nurse. I was taught this very rigid definition of safe sleep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the last thing you want to do as a mother is harm your child there your whole life. Right. I would do anything for him. And I also went through fear. I don't know if this is normal or experienced by other moms postpartum, but I went through a huge fear that I was suddenly going to lose this beautiful child in front of me, mm-hmm. that he was going to die for some unexplained reason. Or, and I just felt fiercely protective of him. Right. So I started, I think, you know, I ended up on your Instagram. I don't even remember how, to be honest, because I think I'm the first in my circle of friends to entertain ideas you present Mm -hmm. to society and motherhood, but, and it's just totally revolutionized the way I think. And now when I go to work, I find myself so frustrated that these are protocols. I have to teach these moms about safe sleep when they, and I, some of the time, you know, I'm teaching moms with cardiac defect babies or extreme prematurity, there's a time and a place for safe sleep as defined by the hospital protocols. Right. But when we make a blanket statement that we expect to apply to every mother and every baby, it's not appropriate. Right. And I feel guilt that, you know, I've played a part in setting maybe some moms up for failure in their breastfeeding journeys and their sleep journeys whatever it may be. And I wrestle with what is my role in, in helping promote this biological norm in this setting that I'm in. Right. I was going to ask you about that. If, if this information has changed the way that you practice at all, but it is so hard, you know, I know as an occupational therapist, um, when I first kind of started this journey, I was still, practicing as an OT. And it was really a a challenging thing for me. I wasn't really practicing directly with babies, but it was still a challenging thing for me because I knew that somebody could report me. If I'm on Instagram saying, you know, there is a safe way to bed share, somebody could report me and I could potentially get my license taken away. And I've kind of gone over that fear. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm not in the hospitals working with NICU babies, right? Like you are. So I'm curious how you've approached that and kind of what your struggles are with that. Well, I'll tell you that I'm still very much living in that fear. I live, I work for a big organization um, that has a very tight definition of what safe sleep is and a, a very clear protocol of what we are to follow. I will say that I'm working a lot less since I've become a mom. So it's not on my mind as much, but really working within at least my circle of friends that being honest about how my baby and I get good sleep, how we have made breastfeeding work for so long. You know, I find a lot of people in my circle are shocked that I'm still breastfeeding an 18 month old. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm thinking to myself, well, if you, if you weren't taught to sleep train, if you weren't taught that pacifiers and bottles are a mandatory part of this, nothing wrong with those things. They have right. their place. But these things all I've learned as an international board certified lactation consultant that harm your supply long-term mm-hmm. and that there's nothing I'm doing to pressure my 18 month old to continue nursing. He very much wants to do it on his own. Yeah. It's very normal biologically. So when we don't put roadblocks in the way, that's just kind of what naturally unfolds. Right. It, at least for us, that's how it's been. And, and we have no approaching stop date anytime soon. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations it's- for making it this far, right? That's what we need to hear more often. Not, oh, that's weird. Oh, you're still breastfeeding. No, congratulations. That is hard work. It is. And don't get me wrong. It hasn't been this perfectly rosy journey. We've had our ups and downs and our struggles. Absolutely. Especially with teething. But um, I find myself feeling more and more like shy in front of my circle of friends and family. Oh yeah, I'm still nursing. And oh, should I let him nurse in front of people when they're over when he asks? Or should I ask him to wait a few minutes? Because I might make other people uncomfortable and just, oh man, that's something motherhood has pushed me to do is do what's right for your baby and try to try to drown out the noise of what other people think. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think it's so important and so helpful that you're here sharing your story that, like you said, you've made an effort to um, share more about what you're doing, how you're parenting within your circle of friends group, because that is how we make these things normal again, is by talking about, you don't have to be on Instagram, you know, talking about it with thousands of people, but just being open about your own experiences. And I know that's hard. I I know it and I don't expect, it's not for everybody, right? It's not for everybody to be open about that. But I think the more of us that are being open and sharing about how we're not sleep training and we are, you know, maybe breastfeeding longer than what is considered normal, even though it is the biological norm. I'm still breastfeeding my three and a half year old. Um, The more that we can talk about that, the more normal it will become. And the more then other people will get support too and know that they do have options and there are other ways. And I think it's so interesting that you were saying, you know, you found my Instagram account and you, um, you went to a La Leche League and you found all these people that do the same things as you do. And really, we're all out there. So many of us parent this way. We're yes. just, it's not being talked about. So we think we're alone until we kind of find our communities. Even though it is scary for me to talk about, I feel so intensely passionate about this. I can't shut up about it. I'm sure I'm driving my husband and my sister crazy whenever I talk about co-sleeping and breastfeeding, but God gave me that, those passions. And I, I feel it's my duty to help spread the awareness and normalize this, even if it is scary sometimes, because I want other moms and babies to have the freedom to do what works for them and to not feel like would motherhood be so hard if we lived in a society that just accepted and normalized these things and didn't rush moms to go back to work so quickly? No wonder people feel the need to sleep train when they have six or 12 weeks off work after having a baby. Right. I can't imagine. And I am immensely thankful that I, I had a nice maternity leave of six months, which still, by the way, went by way too quickly. And I was devastated when I work. Yeah. And then I was blessed again with, with this supplemental position where I only work one or two days a week. Not everybody has that. And I have to remind myself when I'm interacting with other moms that they don't have those 
situations necessarily. So to, to reframe my brain into thinking in a non-judgmental manner when I talk to parents who do sleep train or choose not to breastfeed or whatever. And that's hard for me. I want everybody to know what I know. And I, I hope that doesn't come off wrong as pushy or, you know, I'm just excited yeah. about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's the thing is we have to get better as a society, as a culture of being able to have these open conversations and you parent the way you want to parent and your friends can parent differently. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we can talk about our concerns with those things, but like, I would never, you know, personally go up to somebody who I knew was sleep training and say, I have concerns about sleep training for X, Y, Z, right? Like I have an Instagram account where I share that information in a general way, but the fact that a lot of us feel, and when I say us, I'm talking about parents who choose not to sleep train, who, you know, attachment parents for lack of a better term, I guess. Um, we, a lot of us feel like we can't even bring up our own parenting choices to people that parent differently than us because we'll be, um, they, a lot of people misconstrue it as attacking or shaming or something of that nature. That so is exactly how I feel. Yeah. Yes. And it's, so it's, it's impossible because then how do you, how do you have these open conversations? How do you let parents know? How do parents find out that there are other ways that they don't have to do something that doesn't feel right for them? So there's just so, so many emotions and so much shame that's like intermixed with all of these, especially with parenthood, I feel like, because that's like the hardest thing, right? Is there's so much pressure to raise your child in a way that you feel good about and to make them this, this great human. And it's just a lot of pressure and I don't have a solution. I just want to be able to talk about it. We're not shaming anybody. We're not judging anybody. We should be allowed to say sleep training wasn't for us. We don't want to sleep train our child. And this is what we're doing instead. And we should just be able to have that conversation with anybody, but we can't. Yes, it's so true. I just, I'm having flashbacks to my last pediatrician appointment and the intake forms. Where does your baby sleep? And they want you to, you know, circle the crib and... (laughs) How long does your baby sleep through the night? Oh, brother. I circled yeah. no. I was trying to be honest and, um, you know, got, got some tips about how to help my baby sleep through the night. It wasn't my typical pediatrician. Somebody else was filling in that day. So anyway, yeah. Everything's just topsy-turvy, upside down. And I want to backtrack too, because, you know, when you said that you were fortunate enough to have six months off um, yeah. for maternity leave, my first instinct was to say, that's awesome. And then I thought about it and I said, that's actually not awesome. First of all, that should bare minimum be the norm. Second of all, that's not enough. We should have more than that. But my first instinct coming from a country where most women get six to 12 weeks off, if that was, that's awesome. And that's really sad to me. And here's the caveat. It wasn't paid time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, husband and I saved up and intentionally put money away because I knew that I would want that much time. And that's the out at my employer. Yeah. So, so, so wild. So wild. It is. That, is. That is the reality that we live in, but it is, it makes it for this really complicated discussion because on the one hand, parents, mothers specifically, but parents in general, new parents are not given the support that they need. We're not mm-hmm. given the education that we need and we're not given the time off of work that we need. Um, we're not giving the financial support that we need, et cetera, et cetera. And then on the other hand, Sleep training doesn't feel right to many parents. And I think a lot of parents really do crave the information that we're, the the stuff that we're talking about here, that there are, there is another way. It's okay if your baby's not sleeping through the night. And so it's this really hard balance of how do we make this work 
given our culture that we live in that is not supportive of new parents and new babies. I feel overwhelmed with where to even start with all Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. And sleeping through the night for babies. For me, that, that expectation has always been insane because I can't remember the last time in my life I have truly slept through the night without getting up to use the bathroom or to have a drink of water. Right. Whatever. Right. I, I personally just don't do that. So that expectation seems so strange to me. It is. If you really think about it, it is sleeping Mm -hmm. through the night is just a social construct. It It is. is. I also think about all the things that I need to be just so in order to get a good night of sleep. I mean, I'm talking white noise, pitch black room. I can't even handle my husband being on his cell phone if I'm trying to sleep because that little bit of light drives me crazy. Yeah. And I need my ice water next to the bed and all of these things to be just so like, of course, a little baby's going to need support in similar ways right. that are appropriate for where he's at in life. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's all very interesting when you actually dive into these, these myths that are perpetuated um, by the sleep industry, but not even by the sleep industry, by our own pediatricians and our family and our friends. I think unknowingly, I think they all have good intentions. I think as a whole, most people just don't understand infant sleep, but they really don't make a lot of logical sense when you actually think about these myths. Absolutely. So Rachel, I'm really curious because, you know, I think also I just decided I want one of my goals of these podcasts, these specific episodes where I'm talking to parents Mm -hmm. um, to be to bust the myth or the idea that parents who don't sleep train or parents who bed share are just miserable and unhappy and they don't get sleep and all of that. And so are you miserable and unhappy? I just tell me what your life is like bed sharing and what you think about it. The only stress bed sharing brings me is, um, telling other people I do it when, for example, when maybe my mother-in-law has offered to keep baby overnight and I have to go on this whole spiel of why I'm just absolutely not ready for that. And he won't sleep in the pack and play you bought him. And we nurse to sleep. We nurse in the middle of the night still. That's the only anxiety that comes up with co-sleeping. Otherwise it is the most for us convenient, sweet, loving way we all get sleep. And my husband and I just talk about how much we treasure this time with our little baby. Cause he's, I mean, he's not really even a baby anymore. He's a toddler and he's growing and changing so fast. And we grieve the day he'll no longer want to be near us in our bed cuddling. And yeah. no, I don't know when that day will come. I feel some pressure to get him out of our room before I have another baby, which, you know, is starting to be a talk in our home. Mm-hmm. I don't all work out. I I don't want to kick him out before his time either and make him grow up faster than he needs to. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's a struggle because, you know, you can, lots of parents do just wait until their child is kind of showing these signs of readiness or choosing to sleep in another room. And then some parents do feel like they need to transition their child out of their bed, maybe before their, their child is ready. And that's not wrong either, whichever. And and there are ways to do that. You know, that's the thing is this idea of you don't get your child out of your, I've heard before. And I think I just heard it yesterday. A doctor, I think someone messaged me and told me that their doctor told them that if their child was still sleeping, in their bed by age of one, it was like exponentially harder to get them out of their bed. And that is just, there is, I don't know of any research to show that. 
that I mean, I that's just totally like a, a lie. It's just, a, it's just a, a blatant lie. Um, and anyways, my point is, is that there's always time to make these changes. You don't have to feel rushed to get your child out of your bed or to make a change before you're ready or before your child's ready, unless that's something that you like really feel like you need to do. Um, and I was joking with somebody the other day who we were talking about how, you know, we don't know many 18 year olds who are still sleeping in their parents' bed. And I said, you know, yeah. honestly though, when my children are 18, I bet I would love for them to want to sleep with me because at that point they're going to be off doing their own thing. They're probably yeah. going to be like, whatever, mom, like get away from me. You know, yeah. I hope, but I hope that I have a relationship with them because that's how I was with my parents. But I hope that I have a relationship with my 18 year old that sometimes she comes in my bed and snuggles me. I would love that. Absolutely. You know, gosh, I grew up in a house where I'm one of three and I'm the oldest. I remember having such anxiety as a, like a five or six year old girl and at nighttime and this pressure to go to bed. And my little brother would co-sleep with my mom in their queen bed. My dad was booted to the basement, not in a, <laughs> yeah, just because of the time of life they were in. Yeah. And I often sneak down in the middle of the night to crawl in bed with my dad, just because I crave that connection. And I think about how much peace that gave me. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I grew out of it too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny. There was my sister in the middle who didn't, didn't have any desire to co-sleep with anybody. Mm -hmm. But the point is all three of us are adults now sleeping in our own beds and leading very independent, healthy adult lives. Yeah. It's just so much fear and so much pressure that is put on new parents, young parents, um, mm -hmm. or I should say parents with young children, that is so unnecessary. It's such an unnecessary worry for the most part. And our, a lot of our lives are consumed by it. The fear, the fear that we have to teach our children to sleep independently or yeah. get them out of our bed. And it's just all consuming. Could you genuinely teach somebody to sleep no matter what you try? I don't think you could. No. I, nobody could sit there and force me to go to sleep. In fact, yeah. that would just get worse. The pressure. Well, it's just like, if you don't have to pee, nobody can force you to pee. It's exactly. a logical function. You know, another thing that brought me a lot of comfort on this journey too, was looking into how other cultures sleep mm -hmm. and um, like reading about family beds. I tried to present that idea to my husband and that was a little too. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love family beds, but wow. The, the, the United States is really quite strange in our expectation yeah. of family sleep. And the, we have these big old houses with a separate room for everything. And how genuinely strange and new for humanity that is. It really is. It really is. And it's almost like an experiment because it's it's that new. I mean, my, maybe not that new. I, I know there are adults. I'm an adult who slept in a crib by myself. But, you know, this hasn't been... <laughs> This is a relatively new thing when you think about the history of humanity and how for however many years and years, thousands of years, hundreds of years, I don't know, but from the beginning of time, babies and parents, babies and moms specifically have been sleeping together. So yes, our circumstances are a bit different now. We do have to pay more attention to um, making sure that our bed is and our sleep space is safe for our baby because they also didn't have these super plush mattresses and lots of blankets and soft pillows. They didn't maybe have all of that. So mm -hmm. we do need to, I do think if we are bed sharing families, we also have to be, and we're outspoken about that. We also have to be outspoken about making sure that we're doing it as safely as possible. Oh, yes. 
we're not talking about it, and if we're not sharing that safety information, then we inevitably will have lots of families who are resorting to bed sharing out of just pure exhaustion, and they're doing it unsafely because they don't know there's a safe way to do it. Exactly. I mean, I think about too, like how many parents are out there falling asleep on their couch or their recliner because they're trying to stay awake with right. their little baby. And I don't know if you've done any, I'm sure you have actually, but dives into SIDS deaths. And, you know, a lot of these co-sleeping in, are lumped together. They're right. not they're looking at, well, was the, were they on a firm mattress, nothing in the else in the environment, baby not overheated, et cetera. No, they're lumping it together with, oh, couch cushions and fluffy pillows and recliners. And that's just not the same thing. Right. I talked about that a little bit in my, I think it was maybe the second or third podcast episode um, where I talked about bed sharing and why I think that um, not talking about bed sharing is, or vilifying bed sharing is actually more dangerous than talking about it. And I maybe I need to do another, like a whole nother episode, just like diving into some of the research on bed sharing, because that's absolutely true in most bed sharing research, especially the research that like the, um, Academy of American Academy of Pediatrics is using to say, you know, bed sharing is not safe. This research is lumping all co-sleeping, um, situations, even that those that are unsafe. So sleeping on a couch, sleeping on a recliner, sleeping with a smoker, um, you know, whatever it may be, they're lumping it into one category and calling it bed sharing. And when you really adjust for that data and adjust for whether the bed sharing is happening in, in a safe situation versus with unsafe um, circumstances, then really the data shows us that safe bed sharing is not really much more risky than um, crib sleeping. I think that information needs to be shouted from the mountaintops. Yes, I agree. And that's what I'm doing. I'm making that my goal in life. <laughs> no, I'm so thankful for you and all you do for moms and parents everywhere and babies. Thank you. You're so kind. Well, thank you, Rachel, so much for sharing your story with us. I know it will help a lot of parents out there who just need to know that they're not alone and that there is another way. You bet. I, I truly hope that's the case. And there's a lot of freedom and information. I just want everybody to have access to that so they can make the choices that are right for their family. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.